Welcome to Sound Encounters, the show where I take you on a musical journey as we explore different genres, bands and artists, and new and classic releases. I'm Cesar Torres, and I'll be your guide today. Episode 42. Yeah, we're doing it. We're doing some another episode of Sound Encounters. Thank you for joining me today. And we got a special one this week. I guess, do I say that every week? Listen, if I say that every week and it becomes a problem, you can let me know. But it is special because I feel like it's been quite a while since I've done a genre guide. I, well, the last time I did a genre guide was the ambient music genre guide. What is ambient music? That was, was that last week, month, not last week. Last week was God's Pee which I'm glad I shoved that in to another episode again. Uh, but yeah, I think that was last month. And then I think in late January, I did a guide to Midwest emo. And those were the two genre guides that I've done this year so far. And other, other, I, I just been so caught up on doing artist guides that I just, you know, I really wanted to talk about different artists and now that I feel like I've hit a sort of tolerance level is that the right word I just don't want to talk about artists right now although I I have been planning out the next couple months of sound encounters and we do have two artist guides coming up back to back but I feel like I have a good reason for that because if I if I'm going to talk about one artist I gotta talk about the other so it's, I guess it'll kind of be a, a two-parter, but we got, we got a couple of amazing things on the horizon because the one year anniversary of Sound Encounters is coming up on May 29th. I think it's May 29th. Did I, did I start this podcast a year ago, May 29th? I sure did. Yeah, I was correct. I should have gone with my gut, but it's going to be a year already on, in this, during this crazy time i started this podcast during the pandemic a year will go by and this pandemic will still be an issue even though you know i recently got both of my both doses of the vaccine still it's going to be an issue because there's going to be all these weirdos who don't get their vaccine who are just anti-vaxxers or just don't believe in covid but anyway yeah a whole year would have gone by when we're stuck in our freaking houses Anyway, that's besides the point, because we're going to celebrate come May 28th. So keep that on your calendars. We're going to drink. We're going to just have so much fun celebrating a year of Sound Encounters. But I, I, I have something planned for the one-year anniversary. I just think that, you know, if you guys want to ask me some questions that I'll answer on the air, a bit of a Q&A then you can send those questions my way, either on the social media, the Twitter and Instagram pages at Sound Encounters. You can send them my way, or you could send a voice message via anchor.fm forward slash Sound Encounters, soundencounterspodcast.com, or the link in the podcast description. That being said, I know I haven't gotten that many messages so far, but I'm just giving you a heads up a whole month in advance just so I can get all those questions in if you want to ask me some questions. You know, I know a couple of you out there who are 
sending me a questions, engaging with my content on Twitter and Instagram, and I appreciate you. I, I just want you to know that I see you and you are appreciated. And if we ever meet in person and it's not a pandemic anymore, or we are both double vaxxed, I will personally hug you, thank you, and maybe even give you a little smooch with consent though, because not asking for consent is disgusting and not poggers. Can't believe I just said poggers on the show. Oh my God. What has the, what has this come to? What has this show come to? What have I come to? Oh man. But yeah, we have that on the horizon. So, you know, if you want to send those questions and remember there is Twitter and Instagram and there is always anchor.fm. Just, just some food for thought. Again, giving you a month to sort of think about your question. And if you want to send in your question, questions, possibly just, you know, just let me know. I'm a patient person. And if you don't send anything, you know, I may or may not cry, but it's okay. I, you know, I don't blame you. It's, uh, I can get, I, I, I get that feeling, that shy feeling from time to time. And we're going into a bit of an ASMR tangent right now. Very soft spoken, but you know, just, just let me know. I'll be here for you. If you send in those questions, I, I, I love you again, a consenting platonic kiss. If you so desire one, but I feel like I got <laughs> a bit off tangent, you know, getting back to that schedule because I, I got this plan i got i got a couple of shows planned out until the middle of june but we got some genre guides been looking forward to talking about this genre and i am looking forward to talking about next week's genre which i won't spoil but possibly allude to so you can figure it out and possibly get hyped over it but you know there's other genres that i want to talk about kind of I kind of want to go back and talk about previous genres that you know I I I started off with the show you know there was shoegaze there was post punk there's post rock post rock was a more recent one though but I'm sort of getting out the big hitters out of the way and I really have to just dig into the weird ones this 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 upcoming one isn't that weird but you know some I've been listening to a couple of genres in each or a couple of albums in each genre, excuse me. And I, I, I've been thinking about revisiting those old genres and being like, here's five more albums that will get you into this genre. Or, or this is like the, if that, if those were the beginner courses, this is the advanced course. These are obscure and these are lesser, you know, known about. So I've been, I, I've had that on my mind, especially shoegaze and post-punk. So if that tickles your fancy, if you're interested in that, you know, let me know. I, there's a couple of other genres that I'd like to talk about uh, before I get into or, or revisit, you know, past genres that I talked about. Oh, and slowcore is another good one that I've been listening to some slowcore. I think that'll uh, a slow a, a famous slowcore album will appear on the Instagram like weekly Instagram and Twitter, excuse me, uh, weekly charts that I upload. So. You'll you'll see that, and I've I've, I've got slowcore on the mind, baby. But anyway, you know you could send me your suggestions. I, the reason I did a a tool album was because uh, AE zero one HD on Instagram uh, suggested that to to me. So thank you again. So your suggestions, I, I I will read them and I will take them into consideration, especially if I haven't covered 
a genre or artist or album. Keep that in mind. But I think I've rambled for way too long. I am going to talk about heavy metal this week. That's right. More metal. I think I've talked about that a couple weeks ago when I was just like, I want to talk about more metal. So we're going to talk about more metal and I'll talk about five albums to get you into heavy metal. All right, so heavy metal. I didn't think I'd be covering metal anytime soon, but I, as I said about like two weeks ago, I'm pretty sure the Tool episode made me a bit more confident, a bit more comfortable talking about metal. And while it's not the first metal genre that I connected with uh, that, you know, went to thrash metal because all I knew was thrash metal at the time. Uh, When I got into metal, I had friends who were really into thrash metal. So that's kind of the genre that I, it was my gateway genre into metal. But I think heavy metal is still a genre that is, is really important because from this point, when heavy metal was created, it, it, it kind of was the branching off point to different subgenres of metal. So without this, I wouldn't have had thrash metal because we're going to learn that a couple of those famous thrash metal bands were inspired by those these classic heavy metal bands. And, I, you know, it's the subgenre that I've been listening to the most recently. I don't know if you've been, you know, seeing my weekly album charts on Instagram and Twitter, but you'll notice that there are a couple of heavy metal albums that I've been listening to, a couple of bands in the genre. So that's kind of what what else inspired this week's episode, this week's discussion. So back when I was an ignorant music listener a couple of years ago, I thought to myself, well, what is the difference between heavy metal and hard rock? They sound kind of similar. They sound the same. What an idiot I was. Well, I mean, was I? Because heavy metal started with roots in, in blues rock and psychedelic rock, but heavy metal bands decided to add more distortion, extended guitar solos, and of course their music was loud, like really loud. On top of that, heavy metal was characterized as being more aggressive than any other rock genre at the time. And three of the pioneers of the genre, you know, Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, and Deep Purple, did have some of that blues influence ingrained into their music. So, you know, I don't really I don't really blame myself for getting the two mixed up, you know, heavy metal and hard rock, but it was taking it to that extreme that really made it metal. And to be honest, you know, before I dabbled into more genres, before I realized there was experimental rock and different types of rock genres, when I was, you know, a young kid thinking that classic rock was the best music ever, I wasn't really much of a fan of the distortion, the slower sort of playing style, and sometimes the the speed. Uh, But now I kind of prefer the distortion and the heaviness of the instrumentation and, and the speed of classic heavy metal bands to hard classic rock. And I think this is a fun genre. We, you know, we got to learn our roots and this is a great place to start. If like me, you have no idea what metal is outside of Metallica or Iron Maiden or Black Sabbath. And I feel like at some point 
I'm going to talk about thrash metal because thrash metal holds a, a special place in my heart. But right now, I'm going to talk about five albums to get you into heavy metal. Paranoid, Black Sabbath, 1970. As I mentioned earlier, Black Sabbath is one of the pioneers uh, in this genre. And Black Sabbath is, is one of the most recognizable, if not the most recognizable band in the genre. Black Sabbath has a chaotic early history as Osborne, Iommi, Butler, and Ward try to get a band together and fail a couple of times before finally, you know, getting to Black Sabbath. The inspiration for the band's name and even their sound came from a horror film title. And I love how the band tried to mimic that energy in their music. And you can really see that in the cover art of their debut title. And while their debut is incredible, I think it's their second LP that is the most iconic. Paranoid features two of their most recognizable singles in the form of Iron Man and Paranoid. Prior to me listening to this entire album, Iron Man was a song that just seemed to play everywhere I went. You know, it was on the radio, it was at ball games, and of course, in the 2008 hit film Iron Man. So whenever it came on, I sort of tuned it out. I, I, I developed an Iron Man filter. But now that I'm actively listening to it, the band creates such a, a phenomenal and chilling atmosphere. And, and that, that's something that, you know, I learned after so many years of listening to it. First, this has to be one of the most iconic riffs in rock history. Iomi is hands down one of the best guitarists in heavy metal, and we'll hear more about him later, but I want to point out how heavy and slow this riff is. You know, on top of that, the band bumps up the distortion on this one, and that emphasis on distortion is just classic heavy metal. It has a, a psychedelic and nightmarish quality to it, which I can definitely see that it was like revolutionary for the time. Ozzy sings about a man who travels to the future, sees how messed up it is, and tries to come back to the present to warn the world about what he saw, but because he went through a magnetic storm, it, it turned him into iron, and he couldn't warn you know, the people of the earth, which is bleak, but damn, do I love the storytelling of this song, and the, 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 the lyrics tone just perfectly matches the music. Getting back to Iomi, I want to talk about other, the other famous track on here, Paranoid. The story for this track goes that it was conceived and recorded within 25 minutes. The label wanted them to make one more song to complete the album's runtime, and Iomi just conjured up this riff uh, so quickly, and the band went along with it, which is a story that really shows me how great their chemistry was. You know, they could just whip up a hit song at the last minute. And it ends up being one of their most iconic, you know, songs of all time. And it's such a wonderful late assignment story for all of you college students out there. Also, listen to that rhythm section. Butler and Ward do a, a great job of creating this propelling, pulsating rhythm that is as memorable as the guitar riff. Originally, this record was supposed to be titled War Pigs after the opening track of the same name, but Paranoid really fits the eclectic and psychedelic qualities of the music, so I'm glad they changed their minds. Speaking of War Pigs, this has to be one of my favorite opening metal tracks. If you thought Iron Man was slow, this track is even slower and arguably more brutal, which perfectly reflects the, the critical lyrics about the Vietnam War. 
this is probably my favorite performance from Ozzy, and, and the lyrics here are incredible. I mean, just listen to that opening verse. Generals gathered in their masses, just like witches at black masses, evil minds that plot destruction, sorcerers of death's destruction, in the fields the bodies burning as the war machine keeps turning, death and hatred to mankind, poisoning their brainwashed minds. Just what a way to start an album. Simple crashes are placed in between his lines to give them more of a dramatic flair, and I definitely feel the weight of his words here. Just brutally heavy stuff, and I love it. Before I move on, I want to mention my favorite track on the album, Hand of Doom. Aside from War Pigs, this was the track that really stood out to me on first listen as it seemed to morph from this slow-moving trip with incredible highs to a more anthemic experience. And judging from the lyrics of Vietnam veterans taking drugs, I don't think I am that far off. It, it's the sort of approach that Lou Reed took on a track like uh, Heroin, but this dynamic songwriting and relevant lyrical writing is the highlight of this record for me. Also, you can't go wrong with Iomi's killer guitar solos. Truly an essential heavy metal experience. Angel Witch. Angel Witch, 1980. A decade later, we got the emergence of the new wave of British heavy metal, which drew from the heavy metal of 1970s, but fused it with the speed of punk music. Because the new wave of British heavy metal, which I'll just call NWOBHM, which is the popular abbreviation for this genre, uh, was so close to the birth of heavy metal and, and is so integral to the sound of early heavy metal, a lot of people just talk about these two when talking about classic heavy metal as a whole. It's just one intricate part. Angel Witch was one of the most promising bands that took the lessons of Black Sabbath and updated it for the new wave. We hear distortion on this record, but it moves at a breakneck speed, which is jarring to hear after just coming off of Paranoid. And I also notice how the lyrics take things to an extremely dark place. Take, for instance, a track like Atlantis. The lyrics talk a lot about an apocalyptic scenario where volcanoes wipe out humanity and the earth is covered in ash. I guess it's a different type of darkness than, you know, Vietnam War veterans getting coked out of their mind. But that apocalyptic imagery mixed with kind of, kind of the goofy imagery of an underwater empire, you know, rising from below is a, a whole different type of darkness. I also like the emphasis on melodic anthemic harmonies. I, I think that's one of the things that really stood out to me on this album right from the get-go. The opening title track has an amazing catchy chorus and it's really difficult not to sing along with it. You know, you're an angel witch, you're an angel witch. I think the thing that I do miss about Black Sabbath's original statement is how psychedelic the music can get, but there are moments throughout this record that definitely attempt to recreate that feeling. The third track has this incredible breakdown where different effects are placed on the guitars, and, and it takes out this spaced out approach during a solo. The guitars even slow down at the end, and the riff takes this you know, chunky quality to it. It's really chugging along. So I, I really appreciate this about this specific track. And then the track Sorceresses also does this and even messes with Kevin Hayborn's vocals, making them sort of reverberate. And, and, and there's other cool effects. I also really appreciate Hayborn's guitar skills throughout the record, but his work on this track is truly devastating. Seriously, just listen to the riff on this one. It's freaking massive and he shreds towards the end of this song so even more reason to listen to sorcerers i think a song that doesn't get talked about enough is angel of death you know 
the low end guitar riffs, Hayborn's vocals, and even the rhythm section are all stellar. It's just an all around killer metal track, and I love the lyrical writing here as it describes an angel from hell searching for souls to consume. The final verse reveals that it was all a dream, and the narrator is relieved until he opens his front door to find the angel waiting for him. I feel like this is the musical equivalent of a jump scare, which, you know, borrowing from that horror aspect of Black Sabbath, you know, it, it really fits with, you know, the inspiration of Black Sabbath. But regardless, it is a fantastic track. This is a fantastic record. Definitely one of the greats from this era of heavy metal. Denim and Leather, Saxon, 1981. Saxon doesn't really favor the heavy playing of the previous two bands, but like Angel Witch, their music is energetic and triumphant. This is what younger me would have classified as sounding more classic hard rock. And I mean, I mean, do you blame me? Listen to a track like Midnight Rider. It's just the clear and catchy vocals. It just, it sounds more, you know, traditional rock than anything. The guitar playing isn't that distorted, nor are there any heavy solos. The song even mentions Chicago Blues. Although the guitar solo here is pretty great. But this is a group that went on to inspire bands like Metallica, Megadeth, Slayer, Anthrax, Pantera, and, and many more. So I had to include Sax on this list. And if you're going to listen to one, it should be Denim and Leather. I think this was the easiest album of theirs to get into. It, it sounds like the band went into this album with the goal of creating infectious yet hell-raising metal songs. Take the two most popular singles off of this album, for instance, and the bands played on and Princess of the Night. Both songs have catchy rhythms and easygoing yet anthemic guitar melodies. On top of that, lead vocalist Biff Byford provides a wonderful melodic range, not just for this these tracks, but throughout the album. Princess of the Night was a song that made me realize that I was going to love this record because it had that amazing hook that I just couldn't get out of my head. She was a princess of the night. I saw the writing on the wall. On top of that, the guitar playing here is so fast and energetic. I'd be amazed if somebody just didn't think it was fun guitar playing. Plus, the way they soar during the solo is pretty magnificent. Denim and Leather is such a classic sounding metal track as the guitars and rhythm section here are pounding. It really is a, a, a foot stomping beat and I just can't deny, you know, just like bobbing my head along to the track when I hear it. And Byford's vocals are the icing on the cake as his voice rises above the instrumentation, especially as he sings Denim and Leather. While I love the instrumentation throughout the album, it's not as memorable at times as, you know, let's say the previous two records, but I see Byford as the glue holding all this together. Saxon's speciality is having fun in the moment because sometimes their songs don't necessarily stick out in your brain after the record has concluded. But still, a classic act in the N-W-O-B-H-M scene. Even that's a fucking mouthful. The Number of the Beast, Iron Maiden, 1982. Here's a big one, you know, probably one of the best ones too. Iron Maiden was the brainchild of bassist Steve Harris, who formed the band after leaving his previous group, Smiler. And Iron Maiden is another band that really struggled to find their footing during their early days. They went through two vocalists, a guitarist who embarrassingly acted like he could play guitar with his teeth on stage, and vocalist Paul Diano struggled with a coke addiction and had to be replaced. 
and they found moderate success before finding fame and real success in 1982. That's partially because the band brought on vocalist Bruce Dickinson after a stellar audition where he was essentially hired on the spot, and they started to really hone in on their songwriting skills. Dickinson played a huge part in the band's success during this time period. You know, much like the other vocalists we heard throughout this list, Dickinson was expressive as he brought a certain intense passion from his delivery. From the opening track, Invaders, we can really hear his incredible range, you know, his standard voice during verses, and then hearing him soar on the chorus, uh, you know, Invaders... I'm doing a lot of singing on this episode, huh? Not, none of it is doing these singers justice, by the way. But it, it's the, that incredible passion in his voice that sticks out and makes the music memorable. At least, you know, a part that makes the music memorable. Throughout the entire album, not just this song, you know, Dickinson holds our attention because his storytelling requires that attention. Much like Sabbath, they achieve this perspective storytelling about war and pillaging from the eyes of someone who has lived through it. Along with this, we have this ferocious beat that drives the song forward. You know, this really is Harris's band because he commands through his bass work. Both him and Dickinson hold attention in different ways and, and, and don't fight over each other. And, you know, just listen to that opening bass riff at the beginning of Invaders, you know, where Dickinson can't really get in the way and Harris has his time to shine. And that intensity carries over on cuts like The Number of the Beast and Run to the Hills as both of them have this propelling blood pumping drive to them that just doesn't stop clive burr's drumming should especially be commended on rent of the hills and throughout both tracks dickinson's just keeps proving himself as a formidable frontman the hook on run to the hills being just really catchy murray and smith's guitar works are soaring and unrelenting you know i think the number of the beast is one of my favorite iron maiden songs for that very reason those riffs are just killer but in my opinion, these aren't even the heavy hitters of the album. The closing track, Hallowed Be Thy Name, is one of the best closing tracks in metal history. This one is a bit of a slow burn as the first minute is just, you know, Dickinson singing along with cymbals and bells and the guitars are just, you know, regulated to the background. Then the guitars come in and they climb and Dickinson is right there with them singing his ass off. And then there's that moment where the instrumentation just stops and it's just Dickinson and it's goosebump inducing you know i really wasn't expecting it the first time i heard it uh which is why i think it was so effective and if you want to talk about highlights you can talk about this album without mentioning children of the damned this is yet another slow burn track but it, it, it grows on you as it intensifies by the time it's over it's a balls to the wall banging metal track with the best soaring guitar solos on the album the hook here is the most memorable on the album you know, Dickinson is in top form as well as the rest of the band. Just give this one a listen already if you haven't. You'd be doing yourself a huge favor. Painkiller, Judas Priest, 1990. And finally, we get to Judas Priest. By the way, none of the original founding members recorded any of the band's studio albums. You know, I learned about Black Sabbath and Iron Maiden when researching for this episode. And then finding out about Judas Priest, it just... It, it kind of made me laugh. Anyway, the music. Yeah, I probably could have picked another Judas Priest album, maybe something specific from like 1982 or something, but I really enjoy Painkiller. And I put this one on the list because two decades after the release of Paranoid, Judas Priest was still carrying on that heavy metal sound that they sort of originated 
while also incorporating that speed and aggression that the new wave brought on. During this era, not a lot of other metal acts were doing this. And boy, the 90s were really unkind to metal. So this is, I think, a great way to close out the list. The title track has this intense drum solo that just gives me goosebumps. And I, I think the drumming here by Scott Travis throughout the record is incredible. Jumping ahead a bit, Leather Rebel, that drumming is probably my favorite example of Scott Travis's work throughout the entire record. You know, it's pummeling. It, it, it's just, it, it doesn't let up for the entire track. And I think this was Scott Travis's first Judas Priest album. So, it, you know, really freaking great replacement for the other drummers. But getting back to the title track, there there are vicious guitar solos and there are lyrics about, you know, apocalyptic imagery. We're back to that apocalyptic imagery with atom bombs and the rapture being mentioned. So it's all just the, the classic examples of heavy metal. And, you know, and Judas Priest was doing this sound very well and, and they continue to do it very well, you know, two decades after they initially formed Leather Rebels opening guitar rift fucking shreds it gets you pumped to hear the rest of this stellar track i mentioned again scott travis's drumming phenomenal and halford's vocals are incredible nightcrawler continues that hellish imagery you know halford commands this terrifying presence in his voice and the speed of the guitar solos in the rhythm section is just astounding and then another track that I really love is All Guns Blazing because you get more of that blood pumping speed and it's freaking fantastic. Another hell raising experience and another fantastic heavy metal album. So that does it for my list of five albums to get you into heavy metal. To recap, I got Paranoid by Black Sabbath. I got Angel Witch's self-titled debut, Denim and Leather from Saxon and The Number of the Beast from Iron Maiden and Painkiller by Judas Priest. Let me know what are your favorite heavy metal records. I know I missed a ton. I just wanted to point out these five because I don't think I mentioned this before, but these five were the records that really got me into heavy metal. These were like the one of the, or the, some of the first five albums that I listened to, excuse me. Like I said, I could have put Screaming for Vengeance by Judas Priest. I was really close to putting peace of mind by iron maiden on this list but i think these records hold a special place in my heart but not everyone will agree with me what records would you have put on this list let me know at sound encounters on twitter and instagram hit me up or send me a voice message via anchor.fm forward slash sound encounters or sound encounters podcast.com or the link in the podcast description that'll take you to where you need to go and please send in those voice message, send in those tweets, send in those Instagrams, because I'd love to continue this heavy metal discussion. And that does it for this week of Sound Encounters. Make sure to tune in next week for another exciting installment. As I mentioned earlier, we got another genre guide coming out, so you have that to look forward to. In the meantime, you can follow the Sound Encounters Twitter and Instagram pages with the handle at Sound Encounters. I post updates and share music memes on those accounts, and I interact with the lovely people who give my posts a like and a comment. You can also send me a voice message through Anchor to recommend a topic I should talk about, or you could give me some feedback. And if you do, I'll give you a shout out on the show. Just go to anchor.fm forward slash sound encounters or soundencounters.com or follow the link in the podcast description to send your message. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts and that too could be featured in an upcoming episode. All right, that about wraps it up. 
Rock on Music Explorers. I'll see you next week. Ciao.